for me, it's a constant struggle to work out and not work out. And I'm not saying that I'm perfect at it too, either. But I can definitely say the days that I actually do start my morning with a proper workout or even just running for a mile, mile and a half, those days are uh, 10 times better than days where you're just lazy. Because if you don't start off active or start off on the right foot, for whatever reason, the rest of your day is going to be completely lazy or you're just not going to want to feel like doing anything. Yeah. Good morning, everyone. This is Jared Bass with Mark McCain, and you're listening to Triumph Every Day. We discuss the journeys that shaped the lives of our guests and how it brought them to where they are today. And uh, today's guest is Sagar Patel. Did I say that right? Yep, Patel. that is. Good to be here. Thanks for coming, buddy. Anytime. Appreciate it. Um, we I've known Sagar uh, for a couple years now, but um, we were just having a discussion uh, not too long ago, and we were talking for over a couple beers and Harry Potter trivia that we were not very good oh, at. Oh, yeah, yeah, no. <laughs> um, maybe one best team name, uh, not very PG-13, but uh, <laughs> if you know anything about uh, Harry Potter, Slither in My Pants. Mm -hmm. good. It was a good name. <laughs> it, was it was a good so, team name. Yeah. Um, but we were talking a little bit, and I just thought your story was was pretty cool, pretty compelling, and, and I just wanted to tell it. So uh, maybe just tell everybody kind of who you are, where you're from, um, and we'll kind of dive in from there. All right. Um, so I guess obviously I'm Sagar Patel. Uh, born and raised in Savannah, Georgia. I'm actually of Indian descent. Um, and um, I don't know. Love love living here. I moved up to Ohio roughly around six six and a half, I believe six and a half years ago, and then uh, invested into a liquor store up here, and then just spread spread like wildfire after that. Um, Spread, spread your wings. Yeah, spread my wings. So, I don't know. I graduated from UGA. Uh, my parents went bankrupt uh, when I was 17. So, I believe it was towards the end of my sophomore year of college. And being a traditional Indian, being the oldest son, I had to pick up the extra weight on that aspect. And so, graduated college and started a liquor store in uh, Port Royal, South Carolina first, and then uh, two in Miami. And then what brought me to Ohio and uh, here is uh, a liquor store near Oxford, Ohio. It's actually in West College Corner, Indiana, about two, three miles west of Oxford, Ohio. Yeah, that's, um, that's, that's exactly the reason I wanted to bring you in here. Um, <laughs> first, first question, being Indian, um, obviously I'm very white. <laughs> Do you get, because being basically of darker complexion, I'm sure depending on who you're talking to, you probably get like Cuban, Mexican, yep, maybe yep. half black, anything brown, yeah, Latino, yeah. Some sometimes uh, I've actually never gotten black before. No, but it's always mm -hmm. Latino or Indian, um, obviously. And I just go ahead and just make myself known just by my accent, just kick it on and off like hello, okay, I'm Indian, <laughs> yeah, cool. you know. That's amazing. So just go ahead and mark my territory right there. That. This is my descent. That's know where amazing. I'm from. Oh, Middle Eastern too. Have that a lot. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I had a question. Um, you said you were 17 years old and a sophomore in college. Yeah. So did you, were you gifted as far as, um, you know, great, uh, did you get to skip some grades? Is that how it worked in Georgia or? Uh, geez, no, no, I did not skip any grades. Well, 
I skipped a semester or two when I was in high school because you could take those uh, AP classes sure. and take college credit in high school. Mm-hmm. So I had, I think I skipped one semester and that was mm-hmm. about it. So you just started young? I did, I okay. did. I started norm- earlier than normal when okay. elementary and all that other stuff. So then went to just okay. normal. I, I was just curious because I, f- I feel normal um, American high schools were 17 or 18 when we graduate. So 17 to be a sophomore in college, that's... Yeah, I so yes, I did. I did start school a year earlier than normal, okay. cool. or elementary school. Right. What? Uh, how many? How many family members, or how many kind of siblings and things like that do you have? So I have one younger sister. Uh, I guess back then when I was there, um, my parents obviously I was taking care of them, and my grandparents. Right now, currently, my grandfather uh, passed away. So right now, it's just my grandmother, my parents, and my younger sister. Mm. So. Uh, I guess what's what you're trying to get at on that aspect is yes, uh, being the oldest son, we are supposed to provide college tuition to all of our families as well. Wow. So when I got out uh, and throughout the past six or so years, I my sister put her through college and she just got into Duke University for a physician assistant program. So I've heard of that. I will that's be. Cool. Yeah, it's, 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 that's cool. <laughs> so, is that new? Is yeah. it out? Uh, no, that's that's exceptional, man. Um, can you get us basketball basketball tickets? Um, uh, I, yeah. I, I, too, can, I can ask her. Ask, <laughs> I can ask her. <laughs> what uh, what's it like being seventeen and going? Oh wow, I have to do. I have to take care of my family now. I'm an, I'm an adult. <laughs> it was it was extremely tough. Uh, I, a lot of arguments with my parents because I see all my friends having fun and things like that. And then uh, through the Indian culture, obviously being the oldest son. You had to, I mean, my father wasn't making any money just from here on and whenever he can get a job here and there. Uh, so previously back then we had a hotel and he's good with construction. So he would go off and do uh, construction handyman stuff in the meantime. So, um, and then me working three jobs, trying to do undergrad school as well. Uh, it was very tough, did not have a life and did not sleep mm. whatsoever. Yeah, that seems um, very, kind of you're thrust into adulthood yeah it was it was taxes yeah knew about how to do my taxes in college and stuff like that that people would usually start learning after their first job or so um well the crazy thing is is like that's it's i don't want to say the word lucky but at the same time you're you're setting yourself up for success later on in life how many people are just i mean it's like why do i need to know geometry when I can't, you know, I don't know about taxes or finances or how to balance. Like that seems like it should be something that's taught way earlier on than. The funny thing is, I would, I would so agree with that. Like yeah. I wish I would have known that. And I don't know, maybe it was a self drive to actually learn that kind of stuff. But I think that should definitely be added to our education system on just how to live a normal, adulting life per se, yeah. rather than uh, geometry. Yeah, I mean, uh, Lauren, I told Mark, Lauren, I just paid off, paid off my car. Uh, we're very blessed to be able to do so, but it's like one of those things that I wish someone early on would have said, hey, if you do this with your car, it's going to put you underwater for this many years because you, do, you don't know, yeah. you know, and you get thrust in these situations. I know Mark's dealing with student loans and things like that. And when you're signing your name on the dotted line and no one's really explaining, hey, this is how this works and you're, you know, 18, 19 years old doing this, it's like, wow, it would have been really helpful if someone had been like, red flag. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, no, it definitely was. Um, that was that was one thing that is that uh, throughout undergrad, I was paying 
throughout my entire college. And luckily, my sister and I are about three and a half years apart, so she was never in the same grade level that I was when it comes to, I guess, high school, college, middle school, that kind of separation. So I paid off through mine, and then afterwards, yeah, taking out a loan was uh, a big doozy when it comes because we didn't have anything at that time. And to start up these businesses, you needed some sort of capital. So took out a loan. Uh, luckily, I am blessed to have such a family who can provide that loan for me, and that's the only reason why I got it. Mm. So, and then started it from there. But it's it's it would be nice in the education system to have like if you would start saving right now, mm-hmm. where, how much you can be better right. off or well off. Interest yeah. and exactly. Different things like that. Yeah. So what uh what does it look like to start? When did you actually start um, the the whole process with like liquor stores and things like that? Funny thing is, is that um, when I was in uh, 17, or sorry, 17, 18 years old, actually, I think I was a, a senior in, in undergrad when I did, is I actually took my dad's name and invested into a liquor store. The first liquor store I had was in the Port Royal, South Carolina. And at the same time, I bought a property in Miami using my dad's credentials. Uh, he gave authorization for it. Uh, for the, I'll say, for, did he know? He <laughs> knew. So the funny thing is, he knew about the Port Royal, South Carolina liquor store, but he did not know about the one in Miami, and the property. So I got, so I got the one in Miami, the pro, the liquor store in Miami, and a property in Miami as well. But he didn't know about those two until a year and a half later. So because I was too young, and, and hopefully they were profitable by then. Oh yeah. So actually, the funny <laughs> thing is, is, the Miami liquor store is our most profitable one. That's our bread and butter. That's so, but. Yeah, so with that, and that's that's how we started it, and then um, from then on, once like I said, once I got done with undergrad, I was just constant driving back and forth between the two. So I actually lived in Daytona, so I would have like a seven, eight-hour drive down to Miami, and like another six to seven-hour drive up to Port Royal, South Carolina. So, so why did you pick Miami? What, what, knowing that's the location yeah well anything with the business is all about location sure. right so when a property opened up right up on south beach that's location mm. so and back then i mean this was what now geez 12 15 years ago now or so mm-hmm. um back then the property value was extremely cheap compared to wow. what it is now so yeah. now it's just uh right now it's kind of sleezing away and uh just doing nothing for the for the property itself but the liquor store itself that's what was the main investment at that point mm-hmm. So, unfortunately, the owner who sold the liquor store also was selling the property. So, therefore, you have to buy both, if not none. So, gotcha. that's why I got it. Gotcha. A little package deal. Yeah. Yeah. So, what is uh, the logistical kind of inner workings of, of even starting something like that? Obviously, you're dealing with different law or different states have different laws Correct. you're dealing with and we talked about kind of your inventory right it's gonna yeah. it's gonna depend on where you're at what is what you're buying so the logistics of it is mainly so I once again I got lucky with the Miami store because it was a small store mm-hmm. the building itself was a lot larger but he did not market it nor did he stock the inventory well so when buying a liquor store you have to worry about a, either the property either you're gonna buy it rent it or so on and so forth the building maintenance and all that other stuff itself and then the biggest thing with the liquor store is its inventory so luckily that inventory was relatively cheap and all we had to do is work our way up on that aspect so logistics of that is knowing your state laws so once again florida being a nice uh it's not a uh, government 
or state-run liquor store community kind of deal like you Ohio have, You don't have ABC liquor stores? No, and, there's no ABC yeah. liquor stores or anything like that. And there's no taxes where the state automatically takes a, a cut of the profit as well, like in Ohio. That's the other reason why I got a liquor store in, in Indiana. It's literally about 10 feet away from the border of Indiana and Ohio because I don't have to pay the extra sales taxes or sure. profit taxes like Ohio stores do. Yep. Very smart. So you found the liquor store in Miami. Was that just like on a Google search or like how does that, that come about? Word of mouth through the Indian community. Wow. It's kind of funny how well networked in the Indian community is. Mm. Um, for example, I was at subway right next door a couple exit downs from work and apparently i did not i've never so whenever i teach kids for music class as well i usually interact with them with the mothers and never the fathers because in an indian community the mother is the one who takes care of all the kids and the father's interaction isn't as much as it is nowadays especially in the past or the older generations i didn't realize that i was teaching this guy's this this guy the, uh, the subway owner's son for the past four or five years now Really? Right, but I know his. I knew his mother. Right. But the funny thing is that he's always known of me. Mm. So that's, I guess, something with a generational gap where I haven't really kept up with the Indian community, but my father mm. has. Mm. So whenever he talks around and his his word of mouth, he's like, "All right, just see if you know anyone who's looking for this." Mm. So all of his friends will ask their friends, and then their friends will ask their friends, and that's how we found all of these different locations. Wow, very cool. That's awesome. I, I will say, so I don't, I don't want to jump around too much, uh, just kind of more of an observation because, again, you kind of threw out the, the accent and, like, there's, like, the, <laughs> oh, there's yeah. like the typical, like, like the Simpsons, right? The, yeah. You know, the Quickie Mart and all that stuff. Like, but it's kind of twofold here. We were talking, again, I'm going to jump around a little bit. We were talking about uh, your last name being a farmer's name yeah. and, right, and yes. how, how in certain communities that can be looked down upon and whereas I look at you as like you're living the American dream you have multiple businesses you have and in the same notion like all those like stereotypical you know Indian kind of quickie mart 7-eleven type things like you're all business owners that are thriving yeah you know like in, in, in when as we dive deeper into entrepreneurship and like you know making a name for yourself and and you know carving out your own little piece of all this like that's something that we strive for you know whether we know it or not and and it, it is it is absolutely and and once again the reason why the stereotypical indian is either into like gas stations hotels or liquor stores and that kind of stuff is because it is a very profitable business if you work it right and if you put in a lot of time into it right yeah. and, so, and they probably have a system down at this point oh yeah right? absolutely like, hey, uh so-and-so you want to open a gas station this is how we did it and these things work oh absolutely i mean it's it's a simple simple as supply and demand that's that's the basic concept that you need to know when it comes to things like that obviously there's demand for gas and extra conveniences like candies and coke and sodas and things like that that everyone's going to want to have from kids from high schoolers i mean if you look at demographics it's high schoolers all the way up to 40 50 60 year olds they're going to want their cigarettes and things like that that's i mean that's that's what Every, we saw. Everyone's going to get liquor and everyone's going to need a place to sleep at night. Yeah. So So you're covering bases that are like universal needs. Yep. You know? Yeah. I mean, I think the through line is that work ethic, you know? And I feel that's, like that's, yeah. Yeah. That's the, that's what eliminates key. the majority of people in business. Yeah. Um, for sure. I mean, when my dad was, so previously when we actually had a gas station before we invested into the hotel, I would never see my dad because he would be constantly at the gas station just working. The only time I would ever see him is when my mother picked me up from middle school, 
we went to the gas station for an hour or two and then we would go home mm. so my dad actually would open up the store after my mom would relieve him he would come uh take a nap or so rest up eat and then go back to relieve my mom to go pick us up from school my sister and i then she would come back so then we would have interaction with my father and then we would go home and he would not come until he would close the store roughly around 11 12 o'clock by that time majority of the days we would already be in bed yeah right yeah that's not normal you know yeah. I, I think that's what people have to understand with with uh, people that are running those types of businesses and uh you know that's what me and jared are finding out here too it's like oh you know, we're sometimes we're opening up the gym at 5 a.m. and we're not out of here until 8 p.m. Uh, you know, and that's just the way it has to be sometimes. If yeah. we want to be successful and we can't complain about it, we can't, you know, yeah. no one wants to hear it. Um, but yeah, so kudos to you know, your father and, and uh, for setting that example. And it's clearly something you're excelling at as well. So, yeah. yeah. So um, you are going back and forth between, kind of jump back to the story, uh, going back and forth between two locations and then um did you say you have two in miami yes so how the second one come about so the second one came about in a different location it was more in the suburbs of of the actual it's not actually in central miami it's the suburbs of that so once again it was word of mouth when that one came up to sale i jumped on the opportunity and i took it so and at the same time whenever that happened literally about three months later the opportunity in Oxford, Ohio opened up. So at that point, I was actually deciding if my parents should continue working or not. Uh, and my parents were like, uh, we're going to be way too bored because we've worked our asses off our entire life. Right. Um, and uh, just and the liquor store, the one in, up here in, in uh, close to Oxford, Ohio, it's only open from 8 a.m. to 9 p.m. So that's a perfect like retirement kind of place, and they wanted sure. a quiet community to live in. So I got that too. It was right next to Oxford, uh, Miami University. It's a good good location on that aspect. Yeah, we were talking a little bit about inventory, right? Where you can that one it doesn't have stocking. It's not so expensive because you can you can get you know Coors Light and exactly. Light and things mm. like that. Exactly. Versus the one uh, down south where you said you've got you know some bottles of liquor there three four hundred dollars to three or four thousand three or four thousand. I'm sorry. Yeah. To, uh, yes. To three four three or four thousand dollars a bottle. What kind of stuff are we talking here? Um, we're talking limited edition pappies to specific okay. type of vodkas to limited edition bourbons and scotches that you would never find in a normal liquor store. But, for example, if you would go to Austria or Scotland or something like that, you would find a lot of those over there. Mm. But, once again, clientele in Miami, uh, they're very uh, high class, if you want to put it that way. So, yeah. they're going to want... They think they are. <laughs> well, yeah, they think they are. Yeah. I mean, they've they been the Florence. They got the money to spend. <laughs> so, right. I'm, I'm willing to provide it if they got the money to spend, right? So, uh, obviously, you're not running those in the sense you're not opening and closing the doors every single day. How, how do you staff something like that? So, once again, blessed with family and, and good friends. Uh, the ones in Miami are actually managed by a, a cousin, uh, my dad's cousin's family, actually. And then uh, the one in Port Royal, South Carolina, it used to be ran, uh, before we uh, sold it, it used to be ran by a good friend of mine, but then I sold it to him, so now he runs that, or he owns that entirely. And then, obviously, the one over here is ran by my parents and myself. Yeah. Yeah, yeah so that's obviously uh, makes things a little... I don't know. Maybe you tell me. Is it harder or easier the fact that they're family? Uh, it's a 
Yeah, it's a it's a it's a very double-edged sword. It's great if they're doing their job. Right? Exactly, exactly. But that there are times when it's like, okay, well, you need to go to India, so all right, well now I got to fly down there and live there for a week or two while they're oh. out vacationing or something like that, right? Yeah. So, but I mean, it, it is mainly good because you can have, especially if it's family members that or friends that you can trust, because you can have that accountability and that reliability that it's going to be done and the sword's going to be ran right. Yeah, and and again, there's probably some cultural differences there as far as like you know hey we're in this together this is all of our livelihoods exactly um you know uh, hopefully not having someone who you've got to worry about you know uh taking from under your nose or something like that that's true no i mean we we've had to worry about that too with a couple of people but i mean that's 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 life isn't it you yeah. have to learn on who you can trust and who you can't trust right um so speaking of going to india uh we talked a little bit you are getting married yes right yes uh What's what's the uh, whole process oh, look like that look like for that? <laughs> so a typical Indian wedding traditionally is supposed to be about five days long, uh, with different ceremonies representing different things on different days. We are combining that into a four-day weekend per se, starting Thursday. Um, so the way that works. I mean, if you want me to go to the nitty gritties of it, is day one there's like a ceremony separately between the the bride and groom at separate locations, where the family member is supposed to apply you with a orange type of paste. It's actually a sandalwood paste, I believe, yeah. uh, and um, that's supposed to make your skin all glowy and stuff. At so that's during the day. The next day, um, there is a uh, henna ceremony where the girl has henna put all over and all of her family members and there's a little big party for that thing and then afterwards a guy comes over the second day is sorry the third day now is the actual wedding ceremony uh and then usually some people condense it down into this three day which we're also thinking about doing but either in the morning depending on the astro astronomical times and things like that that's wild right <laughs> is when you're supposed to have your wedding so if your wedding can be held in the morning then usually you have a reception in the evening if it can if your wedding has is being held in the evening then the reception's the next day mm. and that's why it's that long then there's also another traditional ceremony which is technically the day before the wedding but we in america it's actually cut really short is traditionally and back and during my culture once again we are farmers so to host a wedding, you have to get a lot of water, and there wasn't a proper irrigation system. So all the ladies of the brides, since the wedding's held usually at the bride's uh, town or bride city, all the ladies would go to the river with a bunch of buckets on their in their on top of their heads and fill them up with water to provide clean water for the entire wedding ceremony and for everyone over there. So now that has actually turned into a whole traditional thing, where that's part of another ceremony of right before the wedding. All the ceremonies. Yeah. <laughs> One of the things I found interesting was you telling me that um, having to make a special trip just to go get clothing. Yes, yes, yes. Because if we buy Indian clothing, like let's say New Jersey, because that's the only places that obviously there's a little India and they have a lot of Indian clothing stores over there. If we buy them from here, it's the same amount or will cost us the same as if we flew over to India and bought the clothes over there because of the currency exchange as well as the value of a dollar is a lot stronger uh, than Indian rupees. So you can basically fly over there, buy everything you need for the same price it would be to go to New Jersey and buy everything. Correct. And over there you would have a better selection and you can get things customized for yourself as well. 
And how many outfit changes? <laughs> so for each ceremony, there's a different outfit. So yeah. there are five ceremonies, and there's a different outfit for the guy, at least, for all the different ceremonies. For the girl, actually, she has, I believe, 11 different outfits that she has to buy. Of those six of them that she's going to have to wear, three of them are for act for the actual ceremony purposes as well. That's interesting. That's fascinating. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the, and like I just I remember Lauren trying on wedding dresses and it was like three weeks in itself and I'm like what's it we like gotta to finish, pick out we gotta it? finish all of it in three weeks in India oh my gosh within a three week span we have to fi- figure out first and foremost what kind of dress we want and actually it's actually shorter than that because we would want to figure everything out within one week so, so then the other two go. weeks they can tailor it mm-hmm. and make it so that you don't have to get it shipped afterwards and you can take it back with you so usually when we go on these trips International flights, they allow you to have two bags. Mm-hmm. One of them's in normal clothes, the other one's just completely empty. So you bring stuff back? Yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh. That is wild. Um, and <laughs> I don't even know where to go from there. That's uh, it's, and I, they're, they're obviously not uh, inexpensive uh, endeavors as well. Oh no. We're talking the average Indian usually costs around a, and this is an average household, about, about $120,000 to host, to do the entire Indian wedding. Intense. Wow. Is uh, this is uh, too much? Not to answer. Um, if you and your bride met, do you guys know each other, or is it arranged? Or no, it's not too much information at all. We actually met online okay. through an Indian online through actually our temple's online dating website. Okay. Um, so it technically was arranged, but it wasn't arranged. But nowadays, the whole I guess you're trying to lead into the whole arranged marriage kind of thing. Well, you know, part of the reason I'm at for a little more context is that we had an Indian gentleman recently started but personally training him, and that was a conversation that came up between the two of us, so I guess I'm just a little more curious. Okay. Um, but also, you know, I know obviously it's a little more arranged marriage than most other countries, and then um, he also mentioned that the divorce rate is only like 2 to 3%, you know, uh, so the, you know, the, the 98 percent success marriages and, and I found that I can, fascinating yeah it, it's kind of astonishing because I, I'll just give you my family's background so my grandmother and grandfather were arranged and married at the age of 11 and 12 wow uh, my mother and father I didn't even know I like girls <laughs> <laughs> at that point it was still yeah exactly so like just finding out like oh oh there's that yeah it looks good <laughs> and my mother and father my father was 27, my mother I believe was 23, uh, when they were arranged and married at the same time as well. Um, the way the arrangement was set up is different between my par- grandparents' generation and my parents' generation as well, is because my grandparents, it's their parents that talk to each other. So my great-grandparents from each side talk to each other and they set up the whole thing. Sure. When my parents got married, it was more on the lines of, my dad telling his parents that, hey, this is what I want in a girl. I want her to have this, 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 and she mm-hmm. needs to be this tall or whatever. Mm-hmm. And then the parents would go out and find all these girls for him and literally would come out and show him in picture. If he likes them, they would talk for a few minutes. Mm-hmm. And then if it's okay from there, then they got married. Mm-hmm. So Swipe right. Yeah, swipe right. <laughs> pretty much. <laughs> pretty much. Nowadays, it's kind of funny because I, I see my friends go through this all the time whenever they also get arranged with by, through their parents at least, mm-hmm. is their parents would show them a guy and then they would talk to him for a couple of months or so. Mm-hmm. And then within, I would say, three to six months, they would have to say yes or no, you're well, going to get married or not, right. if they go through that traditional route. Now, obviously, that all is dependent on each person's parents. 
right. and and how long how are they okay with them dating or not but and how's I, that, how does that go with someone that you meet you know do you, do you have to go and um, you know is it the same route as meeting someone that you're you're falling in love with rather than just like hey uh, here's Sagar well, well, yeah, I mean, that's, that, well, I guess whenever you're set up by your parents, it is pretty much like, yeah. okay, we're going to go to a neutral location, either you can talk for a few minutes and that kind of thing. I remember one of my friend's cousin, uh, she got arranged in, uh, to a person in India, so she was actually raised in the U.S., born in India, raised in the U.S., went back to India, they talked, and they first met at the guy's house, and they talked alone for, I would say, about 30 minutes while the rest of the family was outside in the living room. Um, and I, me personally, I just found that completely weird. But, I mean, I guess that's how it was. But, I mean, they talked for that 30 minutes. And then afterwards, it just it went off. They started talking even more. Um, and I guess all the Skype and FaceTime because yeah. of the distance. And they liked each other to the point that they went ahead and got married a few months later. Yeah. So, Very interesting. I guess what you're, uh, what I should say is that the cultural differences between the Western world and the Eastern world is that you are definitely taught to sacrifice and make a lot of compromises in order mm. to keep, yeah, everything w- in, in sync per se. Not I would only say that's probably the biggest difference in why there's such a high success rate because, yeah. you know, we have to, as adults, you basically have to learn how to do that after the fact it's not instilled early on yeah right and that's that's something that you learn i think after you get married and you're like oh wow this is a lot more give and take than it is yeah um than most people are even going to be able to recognize that's that's so, very true uh that, and that's i would say that's probably 100 percent why there's such a, a higher success rate than most yeah Western. i mean obviously you have a lot of success so it's like they're setting that example yeah or a lot of america families are Kids are born out of wedlock, probably a lot more, you know, etc. I mean, you can, you know, you can draw the conclusions, but I think there's something really to be said about having that fundamental example of seeing your parents and your grandparents and the generations before you stick together, um, you know. So yeah, absolutely. Uh, so maybe, um, so what's your fiance like? What's she do? <laughs> so she is completely the opposite of me. I'm a very uh, practical logical not so fun kind of person uh she is a ray of sunshine i can definitely say that she is a little ball of fun for sure she is right now she's uh doing finishing up her master's and trying to apply to a physician assistant program so she's uh the funny thing is she just landed back from an interview in south carolina uh for that program so we'll find out hopefully soon if she gets in or not very cool where would she be going to school that depends on where she gets in in the next couple of months. Okay. So we don't know that yet, and that's the reason why we haven't picked a wedding date. It's because we're trying to find out that and base it around all base that. Base it around all that, yeah. the break schedules and stuff like that from there. Yeah. Um, awesome, man. Well, that's, uh, that's very exciting and very happy for you. It's, uh, it's obviously a big step and huge undertaking. Yeah. Uh, so it sounds like uh, the actual event is a much bigger undertaking than... Yeah, I'm... I didn't really do a whole lot. I know Mark didn't do a whole lot for, for uh, for his as well. Sounds like you making uh, making international it. trips is uh, is definitely a commitment in itself. Um, so, what about you, man? Like, what makes you tick? Because I uh, obviously you're you're educated. You you 
you're running businesses, like what kind of things do you enjoy doing that kind of um, maybe outside of work? Geez, outside of work. So the funny thing is I, I really do like the outdoors. If I had time for it, I can go camping any day, all day. Yeah. Uh, I do make time twice a year to either go. Uh, so usually in July we go to a buddy of mine. He has a cabin on a lake in North Georgia up in the mountains. We'll go out there. There's literally no electricity whatsoever. Just nice. disconnect from the world. And then in the wintertime, usually I try to make it, but I, can't, I, I couldn't for the past couple of years. We go out to um, Colorado and go skiing or snowboarding. Yeah. whatever you like so I do like the outdoors hiking and things like that um, I love music uh, that's probably my biggest passion is music I do play the piano I've been playing since I was six years old and I teach piano to kids at our temple here in Westchester uh, every week what um, what draws you into the, the piano so much um, I don't know I just <laughs> the funny thing is, is when my parents were trying to figure that out, they put me in dance class and all this other stuff. But as soon as I picked up music, uh, actually my very first instrument was a clarinet, and I just had a knack and a talent for it. And since then, I've always just, the, I, I just like melodies and listening to good melodies. Uh, the funny, I ne every single time a music piece comes out, or you hear Little Wayne or whoever making music yeah. or whatnot. I never listen to the words. I only <laughs> listen to the musicality, and if I like the musicality, that's what I like about it. Yeah, and I, I can definitely see that. Um, um, there's something about you know the the actual rhythm and, and the beats that are involved with it. I mean, exactly. there, there's some pretty, honestly, if you really start listening to the words of most songs, they're absolutely horrendous, especially in your top your top yeah. forty, if you will. Uh, but the reason it's so popular is like, oh, there's a catchy hook and the in the melodies is is pretty good. Absolutely. You know? um, one of the reasons, actually, the only one of the only music genres I actually listen to the words with is probably jazz. Mm. Yeah, so. I can see that. Yeah, I've heard there's basically two types of people um, how they process songs, and it's like, like you just mentioned, you're either into the beats, the rhythm of it, mm -hmm. or the words. Because I'm true. one of those guys too, like. I, I don't even know if I could sing a whole song, you know, yeah. front to back kind of thing. But, you know, as soon as the, the first 10 seconds come on on the beat, I can just be like, oh, you yeah, know, that's, that's the song. Exactly, yeah. Um, so, yeah, I think you're on to something there, but just, you're, you're just, I don't know if that's like a left brain, right brain kind of thing or, or whatnot. I it could be because my sister's the complete opposite. She memorizes mm -hmm. words left and right to any song, mm -hmm. which is kind of funny. Mm -hmm. I always was very envious of those people who could like sing and you know, or like, or they rap an entire verse. Like I was, yeah. I find it amazing <laughs> that some, like, especially, uh, you know, some of these people who are incredibly quick, like lyricists and they're just like, how, oh, yeah, how like, does how that, how can you mouth move that? How does that like, even how does it process go from it? here to here? I can barely get through a sentence most of the time. Mess up karaoke. Yeah. Right. Oh yeah. <laughs> just, uh, I got a question. <laughs> um, maybe, uh, talk about like a, if there is such a thing as a typical day. I'm always interested in like if you have any like habits that have led you to be such like a highly successful entrepreneur and and so on and so forth. Is there like a you get up at the same time day after day and and what what's what's a day look like? Day look like so first and foremost, I actually got inspired by my uh, uncle on my mom's side. Uh, he's a physician and he has a rigorous routine, and I kind of model it after him. So mm. I wake up at 4:30, um, and at from there, and I try to hit the gym roughly around 5, 5.15 after getting ready. I had to get up at 4.30 today, and I hated it. <laughs> I just wanted you to know that. I feel like that's the only time I can actually fit in my schedule to actually make a, the gym a priority. Um, so 
the reason why I recently made the gym a priority, it's only been about, I would say about two and a half years, is because uh, my family has a history of heart conditions. Mm. And I've already had two open heart surgeries, too, myself. What? Yeah. So that's... Oh, yeah, I forgot about that. We're yeah. talking about that, too. <laughs> so 4.30, uh, head to the gym around about 5, 5.15, uh, get done roughly around 6.37-ish, uh, get ready, eat breakfast, uh, head to work, from work, I uh, get off at around anywhere in between 4.30 to 6 o'clock, depending on the day. Uh, come home, I would uh, make dinner, um, study for about an hour or two, or do some sort of work when it comes to um, the businesses itself. I'm also in, in the middle of prepping to try to go to MBA school as well, or try to get an MBA. So it's either one of those two for an hour or two, and usually I'm in bed by roughly around 9 o'clock, 9, 10 o'clock. And then wake up, do it all over again. Weekends is laundry, pep, and meal preps. So you're lazy. <laughs> <laughs> pretty much. <laughs> yeah, no, that's that's amazing, and it doesn't surprise me that you're pretty much nonstop all day, and that's it's amazing. We have a lot yeah. of things going on. I, um, you know, and you you see those kind of like little, you know, top ten list of things successful mm-hmm. people do, but generally speaking, they're all roughly within the same realm of they watch what they eat, mm-hmm. they usually either read often, uh, work out regularly, eat almost the same thing, um, you know, day in, day out, uh, because you, as you find a rhythm, you find that what works and what doesn't you. And if, especially if you're an efficient person, you get rid of the things that don't work. Yeah. So I guess the hardest habit for us for me is actually just get my mindset to actually go to the gym. That was my biggest hurdle. Uh, Um, my, so it was two things actually. Uh, three years ago, my grandfather passed away of a triple bypass or a heart attack, pretty much, and nothing worked. And then my dad had a sorry, grandfather passed off a heart heart attack. My dad had a triple bypass uh, a year later. On the exact same day, my grandfather passed away. Wow. So at that point, I was like, you know what? This cardiac thing is running in my family, and to try to avoid it, I better do something about it. Right. Did and they, did they relate that back to nutrition? It's all nutrition. Yeah. It's the Indian food. A mm-hmm. ton of oil. Mm-hmm. Every any single time Indian food is made of oil, and I guess that's one of my biggest downfalls. Is I I love food. We all do. <laughs> every every it's, it's really interesting because every um, we've had a decent amount of people of Indian descent come through our doors, and like every time we talk to them, they're just like, "This is how I eat," and I'm like, "It's so you, wrong." I was like, you, "You can't." I was like, yeah. "I was like, you have to make a choice." Is like whether you start eating something else like I don't know enough about Indian food to tell you what's good or what's going to be better but I'm like I can generally tell you that if you just look at the macronutrient content of most of those meals mm-hmm. it's way off of what you should be eating oh absolutely and I understand that the, the reason behind why Indian food became Indian food is because obviously India is in such a very tempered environment where it's extremely hot and back then there wasn't vehicles like there like there is now right. so like you're doing a lot more physical work and once again like i said all i know is from my cultural experience and coming from the last name of patels we're all farmers so we all farmed back a hundred years ago or so right so it, it was very intense labor of work and if you're doing that kind of work you need that kind of nutrients to sustain you now that stopped Yep. Right, the food hasn't changed, mm-hmm. but the amount of work that people do definitely has. I do love I, me some Indian food, by the way. <laughs> to that point, I think that's a global oh, yeah. epidemic. Yeah, you're right. Because we're all, you know, obviously with the internet and, and all of our jobs now are way less physical. We're automating 
you know, Everything. farming, you know, on a mass scale because we have more people to feed and, you know, so I, I feel like that perspective is so important and if you can, you know, and obviously, obviously you, know, you probably also have that perspective of you can break the chain yeah. of your, you know, uh, cardiac kind of episodes in your, in your family and stuff. It reminds me of that movie, uh, the movie, I don't know if you saw that movie, Disney movie, Wally. Oh yeah, I have not seen that. It, yeah. it that's that's pretty much what that movie was. It was like an underlying statement that yeah. the world is going into obesity mm. because everything is automated. Oh, to move yeah. everywhere, you had chairs to move in the movie. So that's yeah. one thing we really feel good about with what we're trying to do here is is obviously get people off the the simple way to put it is off the couch, off the carbs, you know. And, Absolutely. Uh, get them moving and, and eating clean. But and the funny thing is, is that when I the days so once again for me it's a constant struggle to work out and not work out and I'm not saying that I'm perfect at it too either, but I can definitely say the days that I actually do start my morning with a proper workout or even just running for a mile mile and a half, those days are uh, ten times better than days where you're just lazy because if you don't start off active or start off on the right foot, for whatever reason the rest of your day is going to be completely lazy or you're just not going to want to feel like doing anything. Yeah, lethargic. Yeah. yeah. I agree. Um, what uh, so? What kind of things? So, if you're uh, changing your diet, what kind of things are you incorporating? What kind of things are you leaving out? So, changing diet is a cutting a lot of the Indian food. Uh, parents, I love you, but I like you know the home packages that they try to send me. Since I live by myself, I told them to actually stop that. Uh, that was a couple years back as well. Uh, many other things is um, a couple of the changes is eating a little a lot of times. Uh, that was a big help, um, as well as eating the right thing. So in the mornings, I would try to I trying to go a little bit more carbish of the food. So I'd have oatmeal's, I I put my sugars into it and have fruits uh, and make a smoothie out of all that. Uh, in the evening, I try to do semi carbish as as well as on that. And then the uh, and then for sorry lunchtime, I try to do semi carbish, and then in the dinner time, I try not to eat any carbs at all for the most part it's mostly like a salad kind of thing uh, that worked before um, it was pretty well um, the reason that that changed from uh, from I would say about a year ago is because a year a year and a half ago I did meet Anjali and at that point I kind of got lazy and had to focus on spending time with another person and so yeah. on and so forth yeah and, so, that's, and that's tough right because you're bringing you're, you're bringing two personalities together where you have to you you are going on dates and you're not gonna yeah. be that oh well, I'm just gonna have this instead yeah like you're and you're enjoying yourself and there's nothing wrong with that but it's finding that balance right to where exactly um, and we deal with that a lot with especially people with kids you know it's like you can meal prep all you want but your four year old is not gonna sit there and eat broccoli and chicken that's true you know you and so then you've got the uh, mac and cheese lying around the house and you're like well that seems way better than what I've, what Spend, I've got prepared. Not only that, and spending the extra 30 minutes to cook the proper meal rather than, oh, I'm just going to go over to some fast food place and grab yeah. some food. Um, so I, music and working out, and what other kind of uh, things going to make you tick as far as, do you read a lot? Do you? I do read. Uh, actually, I do a lot of audiobooks. Um, yeah. Audiobooks is one of my biggest things because I feel like it's just the easiest way. But audiobooks easiest way to getting, consume stuff. Exactly. You know? Yeah. Um, I know Mark. Mark forever was trying to get me to listen to Audible, 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 and then finally, I was like, all right, fine. And now I'm hooked. I walk the dogs, and it's like an hour, and yep. they're like, wow, that was 
that went by a lot quicker without Any, anywhere you go can be a learning experience exactly oh, exactly a little grocery <laughs> this store. would be a little like a uh, tagline <laughs> you put it in your car your grocery store you're cutting the grass you're, you know, yep. whatever it is what kind of stuff do you listen to so a lot of it is a lot of business books that i try mm-hmm. to listen to as well to try to increase my knowledge on that aspect um the other things is I, I use audiobooks to try to escape from life too. Mm-hmm. So I am Indian. Uh, I'm a nerd, so I do listen to a lot of sci-fi stuff as well. So uh, books like the entire Halo series, if you've, I'm sure you've heard of the video game Halo, yep. that kind of stuff. To Lord of the Rings, to I have read all of the Game of Thrones books as well. Mm. So very cool. What kind of uh, business books are you? Or anything uh, you recommend? It's a tough choice. So I would say most of the business books that I actually read or try to listen to is kind of like the top guys like um, Warren Buffett, Mark Zuckerberg, a couple of his books as well. A lot of their theories and a lot of what they're thinking on, on an actual like business person. Like how do they think? Um, Bill Gates, a couple of his books, uh, those are pretty good. Um, and mainly when I try to do audiobooks is I try to listen to our I have an app on my phone that actually takes articles and reads it to you. So a lot of all the business oh, insider, cool. business insider art magazines and stuff like that that I mm. listen to on that aspect. Yeah. What's the name of the app? Ah, oh, Jesus. <laughs> I need to know it. Oh, I gotta find it. All right. Good. Create a podcast. No one's listening. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe they are listening still. I don't know. Yeah, yeah I, I know that. Um, I'm listening to a, a coaching book right now, and Mark listens to. You know, uh, same kind of thing. Lots of business books, lots of um, ways that we can help our our clients. Whether it's just different training techniques, different uh, ways to just think about people in general. Mm-hmm. And those, I think, those are our, one of our biggest kind of assets is just um, shifting your mindset. Yeah. So it's actually called the Reader App. The Reader App. Yeah. Huh. Cool. Can remember that. <laughs> yeah, I should be able to remember that, right? Um, well, very cool, man. Uh, so, obviously, you uh, you not only uh, own a bunch of liquor stores and, and run with all that. What else is going on in your life? I, like I told you from the beginning, I'm actually that's, – that's pretty much it about my life yeah. at the moment. It's Right now, it's just tackling one thing at the other. Right now, I'm focused on the NBA, the wedding, work, and now I'm trying to get back into shape. What's the, what's the main motivation you know, uh, for the NBA? I mean, you're already, you know, in a lot of minds, I guess, would say, oh, you're already successful. Like, you know, what, what more do you have to learn kind of thing? Well, first and foremost, if you ever have that mindset, what more do you have to learn? Right. That that right there is one, a very, very hard brick wall to stop you yes. from being successful. That's awesome. Right. Um, second, for, and second thing is I graduated with a molecular biology a molecular biology degree, which kind of has nothing to do with what I'm doing right now. And everything that I've learned is through experience and through talking with other people and so on and so forth. So I kind of would like to have some sort of knowledge in the entire business realm and how I can try to expand it or what I can do to just further it, to be honest with you. Not only that, just having the MBA and some sort of business degree. Right now I'm working at GoGo Meds and it's been great, but like I said, life may take a turn and you may need a safety net. And that mm. business degree when it comes to application is just another uh, another thing that keeps, or I guess, uh, makes you shine over other people. Yeah, yeah just constantly. Uh, one of the books I like is The Seven Habits of uh, Highly Successful People. Covey, one. yep. And the uh, number seven is uh, Sharpen the Saw, right? Yep. So I feel like that's a, 
that's one that's just constant. You know, it's uh, forget who it was. It might be Hamilton. It's like you give me five hours to chop down a tree. The first two, I'm gonna send sharpening the axe. Yeah, you know, it's exactly. just it's one of those things. So I love that answer. Yeah, um, and speaking of, um, you know, we always like to kind of round things out. You, you basically just you basically just said it there, but mm -hmm. we always like to round things out with a really uh, simple question. It's just, what is your definition of success? Constantly learning. That that and having a positive attitude. That those two things is, is your mindset and the drive to continue to learn. Those two things, yeah, with that you can probably conquer the entire world. Yep, and only if, if other people would actually um, take that to heart. You know, yeah. uh, unfortunately, there's it's like I feel like there's 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 some middle ground, but generally people fall into that camp or very much a victim mindset. Yeah, you know, uh, whether you know everything is everyone else's fault you know well like i said if you ever if that if you go into that mindset then it's very hard to call crawl out of that mm -hmm. it's very hard but you can you can you know? and it just takes one good day right it does and you just string them together and before you know it you got a, a week and then you got a month you know i think that's what's what's plaguing us right now is you know to a certain extent um you know with the uh, prescription medication and stuff like that people you know, they start having those bad days and they just, you know, like, well, I'm just going to get on XYZ medication and, and I'll just numb myself. And uh, anyway, I'll never get on. Well, I mean, I'll tell you a good prescription for that is just surround yourself with good and happy people. Yeah, right. That is the actual prescription. I mean, that's mm -hmm. something that did help me out as well. Mm -hmm. During my difficult times is I had a, a good friend who helped me out through all of that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You are the people, you are the person that you surround yourself with. Yep. Right. 100%. Well, man, can't thank you enough for being yeah, thanks a lot. coming in today. Anytime. This was, thanks for making time. Yeah, no, this was fun. Yeah, we'll turn the camera off and ask you all the real questions. <laughs> uh, thanks again for listening to Triumph Every Day. Make sure you subscribe on YouTube, iTunes, and everywhere your favorite podcasts are found. Find us at triumphstrength.net, on Instagram at triumphstrength, and Facebook at facebook.com slash triumphstrength. Thanks again.